0: that we studied actually made a pivot with one strategic decision. That was the part that was surprising, because if you read the popular literature, you're going to think, oh, I pivot, and I am over. I was over there, now I'm over here. We're talking today with Batten Research
1: Fellow Siobhan Omani from Boston University about her research on the entrepreneurial pivot. The pivot is a term that was popularized by entrepreneurs Steve Blank and Eric Ries, particularly through Ries's well-known book, The Lean Startup. Omani studied early stage energy and clean tech hardware firms in the Boston area to better understand their pivots, their reorientation of strategic directions. She unexpectedly found that a pivot is not just one turn on a dime occurrence, but rather a cumulative set of decisions over time based on information gleaned from customers and other stakeholders. The research has some important lessons for aspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome, Siobhan, to the Research and Relevance podcast. We're delighted to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: I'm honored to be a Batten Fellow and uh, to be visiting Darden today.
1: Well, we've been very interested in your research on the entrepreneurial pivot. And I think our listeners will also find the work very interesting, as many of them are aspiring entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little bit about the entrepreneurial pivot upon which your work has been based? And maybe even just start by explaining what is an entrepreneurial pivot?
0: It's funny. People have been studying strategic change for a long time. And then the word pivot pops up and we're thinking, is that different? Is that a new kind of strategic change? So my colleague, Jax Kirtley uh, from Wharton and I, we're defining a pivot as an accumulation of strategic changes that are backed up by resource commitments that produce a strategic orientation. Like, what is a strategic orientation? You know, it it reallocates commitments inside the firm. It changes your customer. It may change your value proposition. It may change your product. It may change how you make that product and who it's for. So those are very radical changes. The thing we discovered is no company that we studied actually made a pivot with one strategic decision. That was the part that was surprising because if you read the popular literature, you kind of think, oh, I pivot and I'm over, I was over there, now I'm over here. So, what we found is that pivots could only really be identified retrospectively. After people exited a product or made a strategic exit, after they made a strategic addition and made a series of smaller changes, could they then look back and say, Okay, we used to be an enterprise company and now we're a consumer company and to say wow, we pivoted. So in that sense pivoting was really something that they reflected back on in the past tense. While they were doing it they weren't thinking we're pivoting, we're pivoting. They were but, too busy. <laughs> they were too busy. They had a lot to figure out. You know, especially if you like stop, if you're only if you're a one product company and that's what's different about entrepreneurs You know, in a big company, you can have this other research lab that's focused on the future products, that's focused on being disruptive. And as the market changes, you can adapt internally and reallocate resources from, you know, today's product to tomorrow's product. But the entrepreneurs we studied, they had one product program. They were converting what they had discovered in the lab, you know, from from science, and they were converting it and trying to commercialize new technology But that was their one program, right? So if that didn't work out in the market, they didn't have plan B to jump to. So that's where we found these strategic exits where they say, okay, we thought we were going to make this prototyping kit. We were going to sell it to this market and it's not there. They don't want to pay this price. They're not interested. We thought it was there. Our hypothesis has been rejected. So they shut it down. And that's one of the hardest calls an entrepreneur can make is like to say, okay, we learned and we're going to stop now. And they don't know what they're going to jump to yet. Dr. Omani's
1: next point, her surprising research findings, might be reassuring to entrepreneurs who find themselves needing to take their business operations back a step in order to reevaluate the market and hone their approach. It might be just the right thing to do. The big
0: thing we discovered is that those, there was sometimes a gap. Those strategic additions didn't happen overnight. So we had one firm in our sample that just didn't have a strategy for six months, right? But the only way they figured out what lily pad they were going to jump to next is by deep engagement in the field with customers, finding the unmet needs so that they could figure out, we have this capability, but what problem is it going to solve?
1: So you're saying they basically put the company on ice for a bit. They took a hiatus and then yeah. they took a pause and then they decided what could be done next based on input from the market.
0: Well, I think there's you know, taking a pause like not having a strategy means if you're still functioning, you're doing research, right? What is the new market? Where are we going to create traction? Who needs the capability that we've developed. and <laughs> What will they be willing to pay for it?
1: When you were talking with entrepreneurs, um, you found that they often didn't really know what had happened until they looked at it in retrospect.
0: I love this question of um, what did entrepreneurs learn that they wish they had known at the beginning. I think that's a fantastic question. And I think the big thing that the entrepreneurs in our sample learn is they learned a lot more about the value chain and where they fit in it. So they may have thought they knew what their customer needed and when to buy it, but they may have been trying to sell the whole system versus a component or not understood how their technology would integrate into the existing. And integration is really this key messy thing, especially, so we we were studying a lot of energy hardware firms, they are trying to connect to legacy systems and they might have gone in thinking they could replace the legacy system and the client, the customer is like, well, No, uh, that that system does other things for us. But, you know, if you could change your product and just give us this one component, we might be able to get a lot of utility out of that.
1: But why don't entrepreneurs have a better sense of their market before they
0: launch? We talked about how very hard that is. It's not that entrepreneurs don't do their homework, because they do. They're doing a tremendous amount of, of research. But there is just this element of local knowledge or what we think about in in situ in the context of, you know, the factory or behind the scenes or what the servers look like. You know, there is just a lot of local knowledge that you can't access unless you are trying to literally plug your device into someone else's. And that's where this new level of learning takes place. That makes perfect
1: sense. And then there's also people who say that entrepreneurs to be successful have to have a form of passionate insanity that they're so sure they're right about their direction that they're not going to be necessarily doing as much market research as they should. Right. I
0: mean, where ego gets in the way, perhaps, or think like, this works. Well, the fact that it works in your lab or (laughs) your office is fantastic, but you have to go to the customer site and see what works there. And that's a different question. And That requires deep engagement. Dr. Omani's research was especially interesting
1: because she didn't just study software-based firms that could test products just by writing code and with a low level of financial resources.
0: The sample we studied, they were all working on energy, clean air. They were all focused on making power more efficient or making energy cleaner. Uh, So we chose hardware because we thought intuitively that hardware firms had a harder time making strategic change. And we talk about this commitment and investing resources, and they have a longer development cycle. I've studied a lot of software firms. I've studied open source. And if your software is nice and modular and clean, you can adapt certain parts easier. And the other nice thing about studying hardware is we had some traction about how and when they change their products. We could see it.
1: And like you said, it's so much harder to scale something that requires fixed assets that cost a lot of money versus code that can just be, you can just write more of
0: it very cheaply. Absolutely. The app economy.
1: What are the implications of your work for entrepreneurs who might be listening or would be Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs? I could sense that one of the things you would say is pay very close attention to your market and be nimble enough to pivot when market forces tell you to,
0: but what else? I'm not sure that entrepreneurs are as nimble as as we imagine them to be. They have committed to their investors and their funders. Um, We did not find as many pivots as we thought there would be based on the literature that's out there. Uh, People do make commitments. There are milestones. There are expectations. There is a path that they're on and they've often brought in family, friends, angel investors, um, or just loans. We had a few in our sample with grants and loans. So, you know, one of the things I would say to entrepreneurs is, what is your criteria for exit? There is, there's some new research out on, you know, there's social and legitimacy costs in the eyes of your stakeholders, and you have to think about how to manage that, and what you're going to say, when, you know, if, if you're, Pivoting while you're doing it, you may not want to say anything right away. You may not want to wait till your your new path is more clear. But I think understanding, you know, what is the um, hypothesis being tested, people get that they understand hypothesis testing. What they don't do is plan for the failure. Like, what would your criteria be to kill that program, and how might you leverage? the un- the underlying capability or investment that you developed in there and reapply it to a new domain or a new market
1: or a new customer. So you're saying it would actually be advisable that an entrepreneurial firm should have that kind of contingency planning going on, yeah. even as they're yeah. optimistic about market success.
0: We tell our entrepreneurial students fail early and often, but we don't actually explain how to fail gracefully. And that's kind of what I mean. Like, this is the criteria. If we don't see traction... If if we haven't sold anything by this point, if the 20 people we talked to at this fair don't give us feedback, you know, what is the data point that you're going to look to to say, okay, that hypothesis didn't work, and then how do we jump to hypothesis two, three?
1: Lastly, Dr. Omani told me that she was actually surprised by how few pivots companies make relative to the opportunities that arise.
0: We tried to identify all the strategic decisions that these firms faced, and they only made change less than 20% of the time. So one of the things we discovered that was interesting and surprising is the vast number of opportunities they had to change their strategy, which they did not pursue, which they turned down. You know, we've got someone from another country wants us to set up a, a lab there or engage in this partnership. And these these opportunities came to them Only because they were doing the work, because they had launched their strategy, because they were in business. These were not opportunities you could anticipate from the business plan. So by being engaged in the doing of their strategy, new opportunities emerged all the way. But, um, the vast majority of them, they said no to. So that was, that was really. You know, first, when we were working on this, we're like, we don't have a finding. (laughs) Because they said, because they're turning down change. But then we took that little sample, the people who picked change, and that's where we started to figure out how all these little changes added up to pivots. Siobhan,
1: thank you very much for joining us today for the Research and Relevance podcast. Thank you, Erica. I enjoyed it. This has been the Research and Relevance podcast. I'm Erica Hers with the Batten Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the UVA Darden School of Business. Our producer is Gary Peters. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about Darden's entrepreneurship and innovation research, please visit ideas.darden.virginia.edu.